Good morning and blessed Christmas. I see so many uh, new faces, long time no see faces, and of course, our regulars, welcome. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is uh, Tim. I'm the pastor, one of the pastors here at SMAC, and I lead this congregation here. Uh, yes, it's a bit cozy this week. It's not how we usually gather, right? Uh, but there's more, understandably, because it's Christmas, uh, uh, and, and, and there's children amongst us, so we try to, uh, we we're glad that uh, even though there's distractions, it, is, it may be a bit of hustle-bustle, maybe a bit of uh, uncomfortable, but because we're all here together in God's name, we're glad that we're here. So whether it's your first time here, whether you're back after a while, or whether you're a regular, uh, we're, we're really grateful that you're here. Now, my message today will be about Christmas, the message of Christmas. Now, here's the thing. Uh, if you're new with us, and if you don't know anything about Christianity, your friend just nagged you and said, it's Christmas, you must come, it's Christmas, you must come, and you just came anyway, thank you, all right? Uh, if you don't know what you're doing here, all right, thank you, and we're so glad that you're here, and we hope that what uh, I will have to say here can benefit you. But please excuse me as I address everyone else in the room. Okay, so here you go. Long-time Christians, regulars, this is for you. There's a danger for us to lose interest. That, that, uh, that uh, familiarity breeds contempt in the sense that go, oh yeah, I've heard it all before. Messages of Christmas, yeah, of course. The, the title is so obvious, I already know where Tim is going to go. My hope for you is that you don't miss this. I hope that there will be something there for, for you and for me and myself as well. Because let us remind each other why we're here. Why we took the effort, not just because it's Christmas, not just because it's tradition, but why we're here because of this one message. So before we continue, let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have gathered each and every one of us here, some who don't know you yet, others who have known you almost all their lives, and everyone else who's in between. We thank you, Lord, for the good news that you have brought to this world at the first Christmas, and this is the same good news we celebrate every Christmas since. Help us, O Lord, not to miss what you have to tell us, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'd like to begin by asking this question. What, be, what would be the loving thing to do if you discover an awesome place to have lunch after church? What would be the loving thing to do? Share it, right? Oh, I found this awesome place, just walking distance, five minutes, covered uh, walkway to, uh, from, from church that serves the best food at a good price. Wow, the loving thing to do would be to share it. The selfish thing to do would be to keep it to yourself, right? Okay, second scenario. What would be the loving thing to do if you notice that your friend has something stuck in their teeth? Or their shoelace is undone? Or the zip, you know, uh, 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 Chinese would say the train not reached the station yet, right? What, what's the loving thing to do? It's like, shh, psh, psh, you know, tie your shoelace, zip up your pants, okay? To save them the embarrassment, that's the loving thing to do. So this is the thing I aim to do this Christmas, the loving thing, all right? By telling you this message. Now, my passage today is what we just read uh, from Titus 3 to 7. Uh, chapter 3, verses 3 to 7 is on the screen, it's in your handouts, and this is what we'll be working through. If you have your Bibles, you can do that too, or if you just like to follow the slides, uh, you can do that as well. And it's a simple message that I've entitled, uh, Sinners Saved Unto Splendor. Sinners Saved Unto Splendor. And there's this, this, this message summarizes the message of Christmas. And there are three parts to this uh, that we'll follow each of these three things. So, uh, and this is how we'll follow through. Sinners, saved, salvation, and of course the last is splendor. And hopefully we can follow as we work our way through. So let's start at where we saw just now in verse 3. 
all right, under sinners. So first off, the emphasis here is we ourselves. Who's writing this word, we, right? Uh, in, in BM terms, it's a kita, not a kami, right? Kami only involves the, the, the speaker and internal group exclusive. Kita means including the hearers as well. This is a kita, it's a, including everyone here. And the person writing these words is the Apostle Paul. Paul was one of the leaders of the early church. He wrote most of our New Testament. If he is including himself on this list, here's my main point first, that none of us are exempt as well. All of us are included. We all were this. Uh, our Dean Andrew, our Bishop who's preaching on the other side, all of us are included in this list. So as I work through this, please don't feel like, well, Tim is, is calling me out individually, so unloving. No, 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 I'm, I'm calling all of us out because I need this disclaimer. Because what I'm going to go through is not a pleasant uh, list, all right? So first thing, the first description all of us were is foolish. Uh, it's literally uh, with no mind, unthinking. How are we all foolish? Foolish as the opposite of wisdom. Because we're treating God as our default, we're treating God as if he's not there. It's as foolish as the man who decides to not believe in gravity and he jumps off a tall building. Say, I don't need to believe in gravity, even though gravity is what's holding him down. And even if he doesn't believe, no matter what his faith says, it will not uh, negate the effects of gravity as he falls down, isn't it? Now, the Bible says that God is the creator of everything, that he sustains all things. And foolishness then is to treat such a creator as if he doesn't exist. And that is foolishness, my friends. But it doesn't stop there. We see what happens next in the next two. That this foolishness leads to two next descriptions, which is disobedience and being led astray. So here we introduce uh, to, to something that, that our uh, ignorant, like us ignoring God, is not a neutral thing. It's not like my children, when they didn't know any younger, they eat off the floor because, well, they were crawling, they, they couldn't walk, and it's within easy reach, and the food is appealing, and they just put it in their mouth without thinking. Now my children are five and seven, they know better, isn't it? I'm not talking about that kind of ignorance. But our foolishness was not out of innocence, but actually out of rebellion. That we are disobedient, that there is a way that God has said, this is good, this leads to life. And as a whole, humanity has turned away from God's goodness to say, we know better. And that we are led astray because there are forces at play in the world there who would seek to distort all the good that God has in this world. To, to be led astray literally is to be deceived and be deceived by the devil and by the world. And this is proven next. How are we seeing this being led astray? Paul says, we were slaves. We are serving. What were we serving? We were not serving God as we should, as our creator, we were serving our passions, our lusts, and our pleasures. And isn't this what the world tells us to do? Follow your heart. Give in to your craving. If you're hungry, eat. If you're thirsty, drink. And if you're horny, satisfy those urges. That's what the world will tell you. But friends, the Bible warns us that our heart is deceitful above all things. And that, above all, it leads to death. And here's, here's one thing I want, I want to tell you. 
to all the world that tells you, follow your heart. Here's the truth. No one lies to you more than you do. No one lies to you more than you do. Yes, the world lies to us and it feeds us with the lies of what this world could be. That you'll be happy if only you buy this next thing. You'll be happy only if you have this financial achievement or this career achievement. And it lies to you. But no one does that more so than us ourselves in saying that I need this. I need this person. If not, I'm not complete. I need my children to behave. If not, I'm a failure as a parent. Friends, these are lies that we all tell ourselves and we've all been led astray. That is our default. And we know that this doesn't stay just within us in our own lives, but there's tragic consequences to these. That because we're deceived, because we're led astray, Paul says, we were passing our days in malice and envy. The, the combination of words here paints a very, very particular picture that you wish evil on others, that you're happy when something bad happens to someone, that when your enemy or the person that you don't like, the car crash, aha, serves him or her right. It's that kind of malice of evil. And because that's how we pass our days, uh, we are hated by others. Literally, it's loathsome, detestable. How would you think of someone like this? Someone who, who, who laughs at others' misfortune. Okay, it's detestable, isn't it? But when we think about it, we're guilty of it too. And we justify saying, no, 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 no. But, but the person really had it coming. That person really is a horrible person, isn't it? But by doing so, we, we ourselves become detestable. And this hating one another, you may go, Tim, wait, wait, wait. I'm not a hateful person. I'm not hateful. I'm, 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 I try to be a good person, you know? I'm, I'm very charitable. This specific word, hating, uh, there's, a, there's a more technical uh, understanding of it, which is looking down on others, esteeming others less, thinking that you're better than others. It could be something as simple as you're driving on the road and how could the fuller drive like that? Hey. Signal lights are meant for a purpose, people, right? And then you think that you're better than them. I, I use the road because that's where the worst comes out in all of us are in Malaysia, Malaysian drivers, right? Malaysian roads, right? But the roads are a microcosm for all society. Why can't we have good stuff? Why can't someone give free benefits and then it not be abused? Because no, it will be abused. People will make use of it. They will abuse that, that, that privilege that was meant to benefit people and they will use it for their selfish gain. We can't have nice things, friends, because we are all part of the problem. We are all guilty. And God is the creator. He made everything good. He didn't make it to be evil. And he's looking at this, affair, this state of affairs and he's saying, oh, he doesn't like it. And sometimes we, when we're stuck in that situation, sometimes we're stuck in a less than ideal situation, we wish that God would just come and, and just write everything. Don't we wish that? But here's the thing. We are part of the problem. We are all guilty. And there's nothing that we can do to, to solve it, to get ourselves out of this situation. Now, if you're hearing this for the first time, please know that 
uh, I'm, I'm talking to you, I'm referring to all this to you, but this is not unloving. This is bad news that is far more serious than having vegetable stuck in your teeth. And I want you to know that without, if you are here with us, not without Christ, that is where you are. You're standing before a holy God, guilty, to pay for all the sins that you have. But please don't despair. Because this is bad news. But the message of Christmas is that in response to the bad news that we have, God worked out a solution. And that's what we see next. The salvation that God gives us at Christmas. He starts with the word, but. Yes, humanity is doomed. We're under guilt. We cannot, we cannot work ourselves out of this. And I'll expand more on that later. And God's response is, but. is to reverse that. When the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared. And that's Christmas. We celebrate the moment when God stepped into our mess, stepped into the mess that we have created in the person of Jesus, being born in this world. You saw the cute Lego cartoon. It was cute, but it was also very, very significant because Jesus coming in, Jesus being eternally God, coming in as a baby into human form was a demonstration of the lengths that God would go to save us. Jesus came as a human to grow up and live like one of us fully. That he was born uh, to grow and later on we'll see to save us by his death. Friends, the guilt that we were under, the punishment that was required was our life. We were meant to be destroyed along with all the evil in this world. And God looked at us and, and knew that there's no way we could spare ourselves from being annihilated so he sent his son to bear that wrath on our behalf, to bear that annihilation on our behalf, to bear his wrath in our place. He died on the cross, not because he was guilty. He was executed like the worst criminal, even though he was innocent because he was in place of all of us criminals who are guilty before God. Jesus bore that for us and therefore he saved us. And friends, here I want to say, it is not because of works done by us in righteousness. Friends, our attempts to be good, all humanity's efforts to be good, no matter how, money, how much money you donate, will not be able to pay the guilt that we owe before God. It's not something that we could have earned with our righteousness. It's not something we could have deserved. But it was according to His mercy. Mercy is... A very beautiful picture of mercy is this. In the Hebrew, the word for mercy is Rahim, same as Malay. And the word Rahim in Malay also means what? Anyone knows? Womb. The womb is a picture of mercy. Because while that unborn child grows, there is nothing that that child can do to protect his or herself. They are fully at the mercy of their mother that the mother allows this life to grow is a beautiful picture of mercy. And friends, we, before God, were as helpless as that unborn child. We couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't earn anything. We're fully at God's mercy. And He saved us when we were helpless to save ourselves. 
And, and how is this salvation? If Jesus died for us, that's 2,000 years ago. How was that salvation applied to us today? And this, thankfully, Paul elaborates for us in the next verse, in verse 6. By washing, washing off of our guilt by a regeneration and renewal. Friends, what does this mean? Don't miss this. The fact that we needed to be regenerated, renewed, it means that everything that was previously of the past was unsalvageable. It's not that you can refurbish it and resell it. No, no, no. Total loss. Total write-off. And the Spirit is by the Spirit giving you a new life, giving you a complete overhaul uh, by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does this. Uh, he was poured out through Jesus Christ. How does this work? Jesus Christ did die 2,000 years ago. And when we believe that that is for us, the Bible tells us that we are united. Our faith in Him, our trust in Him creates a, a relationship. It begins a relationship that our trust, uh, uh, that, that the Bible calls a union, that we're united with Christ. And hence, once we're united with Christ, the basis of that relationship means that our debts are paid by His death. And Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose again. Therefore, still that union still stands, that we are resurrected together with him to all that he has. That is faith, faith which the Holy Spirit enables and which the Holy Spirit grows in our hearts. It's a union with Christ. And the result of that union is splendor. And there's two things here that Paul gives us to justify this. Firstly, we are justified by grace. Justified means we're being made right. That our sins, that we're foolish and disobedient and led astray, and we were slaves to all those things. All those, that guilt was settled on the cross. That we're justified by grace. Remember, it's what he did, not what we did. Grace means we, it's undeserved, it's unearned. We were, we were at His mercy. We were helpless. And God saved us by His mercy. That we might become heirs. Don't miss this. In Paul's Greco-Roman world, with the laws of primogenitor, means the, the firstborn is the heir. It means the firstborn has the same status as the master of the house because he will be the next master of the house. And friends, in Christ, we are united with Christ. We have the same status as Christ. Before the Father, that, that he, he wasn't sat, uh, satisfied with just saving us, but bringing us into Himself, to have that union with Him, that we might be heirs with Him, according to the hope of eternal life. And friends, don't miss this. This is life that is eternal, not just in quantity, in length, but internal, in quality. Think about it. Even in this life, what makes life meaningful? What makes life meaningful? What gives life meaning? What do people live for? And if people answer, oh, I live for the next promotion, I live for the next uh, house I will buy, the next those are lesser things, isn't it? If you would ask anyone who's lived a long while, what make your life meaningful? What are the true things you treasure in life? The one answer that always comes back is their relationships, the people they've touched, the family that they've loved. Our relationships make this life meaningful doesn't it we can understand this on an earthly level but friends what would it mean that we have an intimate relationship 
with the one who made us, with the infinite creator who loves us, whose love will never diminish, never be exhausted, never waver in intensity. What would it mean to be in love with such a being? And for him to treasure you and for you to be in union with him. Friends, we are called to eternal life. Don't just think about something that happens far in the future after death. It starts right now for all of us who have faith in Christ. We, have, we are heirs with him to the hope according to eternal life. And that is the message of Christmas. And there we have it. We were sinners. God saved us and his goal for us is to be with him in splendor. So there's three groups of people that I'd like to talk to today. First off, addressing those who have been Christians for a long time, who have been faithful. You've loved Christ and, and, and you're holding on and you've known this, you know this, right? Let me address you first. Remember, don't ever forget who we once were in verse 3. Let us not forget because once the moment we forget that, we become proud. We are never meant to forget where we came from because none of us deserve to be saved. None of us are entitled to that status. We have no reason. Let us marvel in gratitude at the lengths that God did to show that He loves you. I know some of you have given up things for God. You've made the hard choices for your faith in God. He knows. For those of you who had to give up things in this life, He sees that and He knows. And my encouragement to you is that it is worth it. Don't give up. My message this Christmas, when He comes again, you will be vindicated. So don't give up, Christian. To the second group, it's to those uh, who, has, who I addressed earlier that you're here, but Christianity is... Uh, Nothing to you, not in your life, or you, you, know, you just uh, don't know why you're here, but you're here for Christmas, and we're really glad that you're here. Uh, hopefully, you see now the reason why we make such a big deal of Christmas, why we're so excited about it, because we remember this message again and again. And here's what I want to tell you. God doesn't want you to be stuck in a life without Him, having no hope beyond this life, because, friend, nothing in this life, in this earth, will last Material stuff, careers, even family relationships will not survive death. And God wants to give you a life that will endure. God, the Father, wants to give you the best that He can give you, and that is Himself. We see this shown when Jesus died for you. He gave His life for you. And in His resurrection, He promises you a life that will endure beyond death because He endured beyond death. For us Christians, we don't fear death. And I want that, 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 that confidence for you to, to realize. But, you, but in order to do that, you need to realize that you can't save yourself. That you need to come to Him. Believe in what He did for you. Live for Him instead of for yourself. And this may be costly, but it's worth it. I promise you. Now the third group of people I wish to address are the people who... You, you call yourself Christian, but you've been finding it tough. Or you've been finding faith. Maybe Christianity is something in your past, but you've been finding it tough. And again, this is what I've shared just now. It's not something new to you. May I speak to you for a bit? 
Salvation is not something that was done once in the past, then you ignore the rest of your life. We think of salvation in terms of relationship, that trust, that union. The Bible uses images like marriage, like adoption, to, to symbolize that union that Christ has with us. So to, to, to discard, to think that, oh yeah, I said the sinner's prayer when I was a child and that's fine and I can live whatever I want now, is as foolish as a man who, who treats his marriage as, oh, I was married on my wedding day and now I can go out and live as a single guy because seal the deal already, right? So I can go to the bar, I can flirt with women. No, friends, no. If you have been saved, you've been saved for a much better, much lasting reality. Maybe some are tempted, distracted, Maybe you've, you've been at this thing for so long, this Christian thing for so long, that you're not thinking, is it worth it? That suddenly, the, you know, you, you don't want a pie in the sky while you wait. You want something in your hand right now. And if you've been distracted or tempted by things of this world, I want to do the loving thing and tell you, please stop. You see, the things in this world are not bad. Money is not evil. But if you're chasing money to that point that you forgot that this money is not yours. You one day have to give it back. You have to give an account to the one who gave it to you. You need to wake up. Or as a parent, I need to remind myself that our children, my children are a gift from God and one day I need to let them go. I cannot hold on to them as if they're mine. I cannot put their well-being and a priority above my faith. Because parents, if we do so, what are we demonstrating to our child? How are we dis discipling them by example? What example of faith are we showing them? When To place God first. When things get tough, what are we showing to them when we place them above our faith? And if the same goes for anything, our loved ones, family, comfort, good things, but not ultimate things. So friends, if that's you, remember that these are meant to be given to you so that you appreciate God more, not the other way around so that you can forget about God. But here's the encouragement. If your faith has been weak, if you failed many times, God knows. And He wants you to come back to Him. The message of Christmas is still true for you today, as it is for the rest of us as well. Come to Him, though you're undeserving. None of us are. Come. The call of Christmas this morning is to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christmas. We thank you that it's with Christmas we, you've given us your hope of salvation through Christ. Help us to see rightly all the things that we have in our life right now, where we stand before you. If any of us are living in ignorance of you, neglecting you, avoiding you. I pray and ask, Lord, that you will help us to wake up and stop. Help us to love you. Help us to turn to you this Christmas. And for those who are finding it hard to hold on, I pray and ask, Lord, that you will help them to persevere with your strength by your grace. At the end of the day, Lord, help us because we need you, because we're helpless, because we need your mercy. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.